I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, it feels good to be back after taking a week off last week. Uh, this episode is going to be a little whiplashy, not in the way that it's like switching from really depressing to fun. Everything in it, I think is pretty fun, but there's just like a lot of topics we're touching on today. There were so many fun things I wanted to talk about. I think it had kind of piled up after taking a week off. I had a great time in Spain with my family. It wasn't without some dramas, uh, right before we were about to go the Monday when we were leaving that Thursday. Did I already talk? I didn't talk about this on last week's episode, right? Or my last episode about Trey. Okay, so our little brother, his passport was expired, um, and we discovered this on the Monday before we were about to travel on a Thursday, and luckily, if you're traveling within three days, you can get an appointment at one of the in-person passport agencies, but there's not very many in the U.S. There's only like 28 locations, and... uh, He had to fly to New Orleans to get his appointment. I mean, him and my my sister Danny went, and they had a great time. They ate at Acme Oysters. They had the chicken place. I forget what it's called. The mice. Willie's yeah it's like a chain like kind of fast food restaurant there but my little sister is obsessed with it they had that I mean they had a time but my brother as he's getting his passport he then leaves his whole packet that has his birth certificate his social security card at the passport agency like this boy is really dumb I'm like homie you're 20 like don't be acting like this is mommy daddy fault that you didn't know that your passport was expired and then you leave your shit at the passport agency and luckily they called him and he was able to get it but yeah that was like a real kind of stressful way to start the trip um him having to fly to new orleans like two days before we were leaving and but it all worked out um there were some other dramas that happened that because it's not my story to tell i'm not going to tell yet but I'm just very glad we all got back to the U.S. and we are all here and everything (laughs) went fine. But other than those things, it was a very fun trip. We went to Mallorca and Madrid and it was just like perfect weather. It only started raining literally like as we were leaving Madrid. It was like that nice dry heat. It was just stunning. I loved Mallorca so much. I'd been to Madrid before 10 years ago, actually. I went with Verge, friend of the pod. Uh, for our college graduation and I I loved it going that time and it was nice being able to go back and kind of feel like I had my footing in a Spanish city a little bit more than that first time when I went Uh, but still I forgot like how um, obviously they speak so much better English than I can speak Spanish so I'm not like this is no shade to them at all it's amazing how much how many people can speak English but I did kind of forget there's definitely a language barrier and the fact that I live in South Florida and can't speak Spanish is just it's embarrassing I should know it and it was just constantly me bumbling through and as the older sibling I feel like sometimes it gets put on me to like to order stuff so I was just really trying to make Kenzie do it (laughs) no I made Kenzie do it a lot because I was just like I can't do this today Mm. anyways enough about me I wanted to get into a fun story that was told to me via a Facebook group. Facebook groups have really become my way of mining content for this podcast, (laughs) and I'm not ashamed. Uh, So someone was posting about how they wanted to start a podcast, and I won't blow up her spot because I don't want to like give her, you know, idea out there to the world more than she did, but 
let's just say that it involved me saying that I wanted to come on to talk about Seth Cohen. So in response to that, um, a girl answered me and she said, true story, back in 2003, I was coming home from college to visit my family for a holiday weekend. My grandmother was all, oh, you remember my friend Mrs. Brody, right? Her grandson is visiting the same weekend as you. He's not much older than you and he's an actor in LA. Mrs. Brody and I were thinking maybe we could all go to dinner together and you two can meet since you haven't seen each other since you were kids. The last thing I wanted to do was go on a blind date with some random actor, and actors are a dime a dozen in Southern California, where both of our Jewish grandmothers would be present, so I found an excuse to turn it down. The OC premiered just a couple months later, and that's when I realized far too late that I had made a very big mistake. I never did get to go on a weirdly uh, uncomfortable date with Adam Brody, and I've been regretting it ever since. And so I obviously commented and I was like, you could have been, you know, the next Leighton Meester. Like, we will never, we will never know. And she said, my grandmother did get to go to dinner at one point with Adam and Rachel Bilson when he brought her home to meet his family. But she always seemed a little annoyed that he was dating her and not me. Only my own grandmother could have ever thought I could compete with the likes of beautiful Hollywood actresses. But I do love her optimism. I just love I love that story so much. This also reminds me of my friend Emily, who is also Jewish, and her parents are like the best matchmakers. I mean, it hasn't worked out yet, but they are just out there constantly trying to set her up. They see a cute boy out in the wild, and they're like, do we have the perfect girl for you? <laughs> like, my parents would never. I wish they would. Her, yeah, yeah, her rabbi. Yeah, man, they I mean, the networking, it's amazing. Okay, I know I always say stories are my favorite, but I really love this one. It is titled, You Have Got to Be Kidding Me, Why Did a Florida Man Get Two Blue Joe Jonas Hands from Expedia? I mean, you just read that headline and you're like, I know it's going to be good. And part of the reason that I love this story so much is because the Florida man in question is from the town right next to my small hometown, Kinsey. He's from Indy Atlantic. So Indy Atlantic is right next to Satellite Beach. So they're both two really small beach towns. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, oh my God, like I, I obviously already love a Florida man story. He's 56. So I don't know if he grew up. In, he could have though, because our dad is 50 and he went to Satellite. Yeah. Okay, so the story is that this man received two blue Joe Jonas hands in the mail, and he was looking for answers. So Joe Jonas had partnered with Expedia back in May to give away blue promotional 3D printed replicas of his hand that had his signature on it in silver, which why they thought that was like something people would really want, I don't know. I wish. I, honestly, we should have. I should email him and be like, "We're from Satellite. If you haven't given it away yet, but we're getting to that part." So, he's he said. Joe Jonas tweeted, "So stoked to share that I'm partnering with at Expedia to help a lend a helping hand to travelers who can't wait to travel the world again." So apparently, this spawned from the fact that. Expedia found out that a lot of adults were feeling stressed about the thought of booking international trips and they needed help when it came to booking travel compared to pre-COVID because there are a lot of restrictions in place and each country has different restrictions. Like, for example, when we went to Spain to get into the country, you have to be uh, vaccinated. So and it differs with each country. And then when you come back to the U.S., you have to get a COVID test um, 
you have to have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of traveling back. So this campaign was to help reduce the stress that travelers were feeling when booking a trip. So this man's name is Sean O'Farrell, and he received one of the blue hands in the mail. And the Washington Post first reported on this situation. And they said that when he received the hand, it came in a box and a bag and it had the Expedia brand name in it, but there was no explanation attached. It didn't have like a little note to him explaining. And But Sean said the bag said Expedia. So it wasn't like the hand of death just arrived from FedEx. <laughs> Clearly you could see someone was trying to do something. I opened it and then I had to become like Nancy Drew here. I had to figure out what the heck it was. So the Washington Post reported that this man had not logged into his Expedia account for nearly five years, and he didn't enter contests to win Joe Jonas's hand. So Sean moved on. He forgot about the hand, but then he received a second one. And at that point, he was like, you have got to be kidding me. And that's when he reached out to the Washington Post, who wrote the first article on the Helping Hand Initiative, like as a kind of like press release for Expedia. He reached out to them for help. And... There wasn't really a conclusion. They don't know why he was get, why he got these hands. And he said that he really wanted to give them away to someone who was a fan and who would want them. Because he's like, I don't need one, let alone two. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, everything about that story is incredible to me. And I really do think I should reach out to him and be like, this could be kind of cute memorabilia. I'm from Satellite Beach. This seems like fate, Mr. O'Farrell. Please, like I will come. I will come drive to your house. I will have my maybe I'll have my little sister come drive to your house. She's back in satellite, and she can get the hand from you. Kenzie, remind me after this episode. I need to find his email. <laughs> this is also news. I am so excited about. I just hope it turns out better than the Powder Puff Girls reboot. There is a Polly Pocket movie coming from Lena Dunham and Lily Collins. They're both producing it. Lily Collins is starring as Polly Pocket, which she is very doll-like. I, Polly Pocket is blonde. I don't. Are they going to make Lily Collins blonde? Because I just don't think that's very flattering on her skin tone. Um, it says that Lily Collins will put her own spin on Polly and will produce the film in addition to playing the title role. Uh, <laughs> I... I hope it's like um, life size with Tyra Banks. That's the vibe I'm getting from it because apparently it's about a girl, like a real life girl who befriends this little talking Polly Pocket played by Lily Collins. I hope they go super campy with it. I hope there's fun songs. I hope the fashion is, you know, Emily and Paris levels of insane. I just can't wait. I, I, it's, I think Lena Dunham is an odd choice, but she definitely will make it campy if I had to guess. Okay, Courtney. It has to be the old school. That that is like what our generation grew up with—the little like clamshell things. I grew up with both. Oh. I grew up with the clamshell, and I grew up with like the smaller poly, with like the, the more doll-like poly. Okay, well that one's stupid. The the clamshell one is the only one with like the jewel on top, and you open it up, and it's like a pop-up book i mean i wanted to live inside that little poly pocket world i've probably said that on this podcast before because my obsession with the poly pockets oh stunning map. wait you is that map, and then you would have to collect the poly pockets to make the houses yes you i i loved it i'm i still i gave you the old poly pockets kenzie you're talking too much off the microphone again we've talked about this <laughs> uh but i Love you, Kenzie. It's been a while since we've had your commentary on the podcast. It's, I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> um, 
No, but the Polly Pocket, I think that that could be like a really good idea for my business. Like, should I start an adult Polly Pocket? Like, where it's just little. It's all like luxury, nice stuff. Yeah, just like little Chanel bags. And I like I would love that. I would put those on a shelf and like real crystals instead of like the little fake gems and like bedazzled with real crystals. Oh wow. Get get ready. This is Bailey Pocket coming to you next year. <laughs> okay, so you know Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, our favorite couple to talk about on here. She was spotted at Disneyland wearing bridal themed Mickey ears. So, you know, the rumor mill is a churning. I would not be surprised if they eloped. I definitely could see them getting married. I don't think she's going to have like more kids with Travis, but I could definitely see them getting married. And I, why else would you wear freaking bridal themed Mickey ears? It's a little odd if they're not engaged or married. I wanted to briefly talk about this Scooter Braun interview with Variety. It's actually was a very interesting interview. I definitely think it was some image rehabilitation on Scooter's part. It definitely portrays him in a good light, but it was also interesting to me because they talk a lot about kind of the logistics of the music business and his acquisition from this big Korean company called, I mean, the it's, I don't know how to say it. It's H-Y-B-E. It's publicly traded. Um, and it was a big deal, this acquisition. He says he thinks of it more as a merger. So he's still very much involved with Scooter Braun projects or entertainment i know it's scooter brown projects is the name of the company um so that's like what a lot of the article is about but obviously they reference the whole taylor swift thing so the author says how do you view what went down in retrospect and scooter says i regret it and it makes me sad that taylor had that reaction to the deal all of what happened has been very confusing and not based on anything factual i don't know what story she was told i asked for her to sit down with me several times but she refused i offered to sell her the catalog back and went under nda but her team refused it all seems very unfortunate open communication is important and can lead to understanding she and i only met briefly three or four times in the past and all our interactions were really friendly and kind i find her to be an incredibly talented artist and wish her nothing but the best okay what i take issue with this is she he says i offered to sell her the catalog back okay at that point that means he already had bought it so like, really, how much was done beforehand? And, okay, yeah, you went under NDA. Went under NDA on whose side? Like, who, who made you sign the NDA? And it just seems a little bit ironic, him talking about open communication, when it's like, dude, you know this was a money grab. Let's not try to portray it as something it wasn't. And the article quotes Swift, who said in November 2020, he would never even quote my team a price, and that she was asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement that would silence her forever. Braun's team disputes the claim and says negotiations had started in earnest. And the author says, some say it's just business, but it felt personal in tone. And Scooter says, the thing that struck me the worst is the word bully. I'm firmly against anyone ever being bullied. I always try to lead with appreciation and understanding. The one thing I'm proudest of in that moment was that my artists and team stood by me. They know my character and my truth. That meant a lot to me. In the long run, I'm happy for my life's work to be the legacy I leave behind. Again, this feels hypocritical. I mean, Scooter in my opinion, has been a bully on a national scale for a long time. It comes with the power that he has. He, I feel like he's let 
Bieber get away with some bullying things and kind of been behind him on it. So just sit down, Scooter. Like, let's I know you're trying to rehab yourself, but I'm just not buying it. You guys know that I've really been loving articles from Mia Mercado. She's a new cut writer. And so they had a little interview with her and I found it all very delightful. I also need to reach out to her to see if she would come on. Um, (laughs) She describes herself as the morning blogger, usually covering trending news, pop culture and general Internet nonsense, which kind of sums up this podcast. She's asked, like, what is her version of her personal totally kind of hot? And this just reaffirmed um, for me that. I just think we'd really get along because she said, Mr. Ratburn from Arthur, no further questions, <laughs> which actually Mr. Mr. Ratburn was their first openly gay character, right? Who married um, a male. I don't know if he was a fellow rat, but uh, like an aardvark. Oh, an aardvark, Kenzie says. Just, I don't think he was a rat. OK, not a rat. We love an interspecies relationship. <laughs> um, the, I wanted to talk about a Britney Spears adjacent factoid um so if you followed britney for a while or if you even just watched the the hulu doc the new york times documentary about her uh felicia culotto you will know she was like britney's right hand man she's super southern she seems she's always seems so sweet and uh i was just kind of curious like her stance on all of this so i was trying to look at her instagram and it's private but in her bio it says that she works on the Anne juliet musical as an artist and producer liaison and this just like struck me as wild because i saw Anne juliet um when i was in london back in 2019 i've talked about it on here because i loved it so much it was like my favorite musical of all time because it's all max martin music And obviously, Max Martin did a lot of music with Britney Spears. So there's Britney Spears songs in it. And so I was trying desperately to figure out exactly what Felicia's role was in this musical. Um, And if it was like to kind of work on the Britney Spears aspects of it. But it's so weird because I cannot find anything about her actual involvement in the show. And you know how there's always those articles that are like five things you need to know about. So they'll just quote from her Instagram bio that says she's an artist and producer liaison on the show, but it gives no further information. So now I'm like, I feel like I have this new mystery of what the hell is Felicia's connection to Angelia at the musical. And I just feel invested because I just love that show so much. And I can't wait for it to come to America. So more of you guys can experience because honestly, it just, it brought me such joy. Okay. I know that's probably not the update you wanted on Britney Spears, but that's like what I felt like giving today. (laughs) I love a GQ article. You guys know this. If the cut goes down, maybe it'll just become my my GQ article review. Um, They did an interview with Joshua Bassett. And it's titled, Joshua Bassett Wasn't Joking. The Disney star at the center of TikTok teen obsession talks about driver's license, his appreciation of Harry Styles, and his feelings about coming out by Willa Bennett. You guys know Joshua Bassett. He is the star, one of the stars of Disney's High School Musical, the musical, the series that I love. I'm all caught up on. Still great. Loving the second season. Maybe not as good as the first, but like still has that, you know, little quirky charm that I love. So Willa is interviewing him at a West Village restaurant and she says he's just being nice to everyone who comes up, charming anyone who comes his way, compliments a waiter on the small rainbow pin that she has on her apron. 
It only takes a few minutes before a collection of young women clocks him from outside and peers through the small discreet window in front of us. I, at this point in the interview, was wondering if this was at Elk, which is a, uh, I actually think it's a cafe. Maybe it is a full-blown restaurant, but I think it's more of a cafe in the West Village. And he is literally always there. Like, if you want to see Joshua Bassett and you are in New York City, go go there because that's where he's always spotted in Dumas. Elena spotted him there. I mean, he's he's probably there right now. I would not be shocked. It is 10.21 a.m. on a Saturday. Can anyone let me know if Joshua Bassett is currently at the Elk? And it was kind of reaffirmed that I think it was there because later on they mentioned having oat milk lattes and that just sort of fits with what I think he's always drinking when he's there. So he mentions that he has a sixth sense for, you know, young women clocking him. And he says, we're chilling. He says, as the fans move away and we watch their matching tiny backpacks dissolve down the streets, Bassett jokes that he can't wait to see our private lunch piece together in video form all over TikTok. Now, is he actively trying to find himself on TikTok? Is he searching the tags for Joshua Bassett and Joe Livia? We may never know. I think he sort of denies that later on because he says he likes TikTok because it's the one place where he can't really actively see like his mentions and feel this like influx of, you know, comments about him. I liked hearing a little bit more about his upbringing. He says, I've always had a pretty feminine sort of energy in my life. He says of growing up in Oceanside, California in a house with five artistically minded sisters. My sisters would put me in a snow white dress and have me run around my house. We did similar stuff to my little brother. This is the perils of growing up with only sisters. Bassett was homeschooled by his parents. Laura and Taylor played drums and studied musical theater. I love that he's homeschooled. I feel like that. I'm like, are they Mormon? I mean, six kids and homeschools. Oh my God, yeah. I don't know, though. California? He says, I was a very emotional kid. He explains up until age 10, 11 or 12, which is when he feels that most young men learn it isn't okay to be vulnerable. I was constantly yelled at for crying. I would spend every night being like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I remember beating myself up every night. In fact, Bassett teared up three times during our interview. Uh, I also feel like this is a... Uh, thing of growing up with sisters because my brother also cries a lot no shame in that I love it's very good when a man can cry and show his vulnerable side <laughs> and he says that I remember spending every day looking in the mirror seeing if I had any hairs on my chin every day I was hoping that I was finally going through puberty now he's very consciously dodging the Olivia Sabrina love triangle that we discussed in depth and we talked about whether you know, this was just a whole media ploy that really, really did amazing for pumping up the media circus around driver's license by Olivia. Olivia Rodrigo co-stars with him in High School Musical, the musical, the series. Sabrina Carpenter is another Disney star. And he says... People don't know anything they're talking about. He explains that the hardest thing has been biting my tongue in a lot of ways, but the reality is it's kind of a lost cause trying to talk about any of that stuff, and I refuse to feed into any of the bullshit, so I just don't. Even though, really, Josh, you're feeding into it a little bit just by saying that. And he says, everyone is asking me about Sabrina and Olivia. Why don't we focus on these women for who they are? Let's focus on the art that they're making and how great they are instead of their relationship to a boy. Hmm. You know, I also wonder if really the issue here is that maybe Josh and Olivia never really dated. Maybe that, like, that's... I honestly kind of feel that that's probably it. 
And I wonder if he feels like he's he can't say that because of like the media image and story that's been built up around it. Now, this part also blew my mind. It says, unprompted, Bassett tells me a different story about driver's license. Two days after the song was released, he started getting very ill and it kept getting worse. I thought it was like food poisoning or whatever. It got worse. It got worse. It got worse. It got worse. Until he was hospitalized with unimaginable unimaginable pain on the day that Lie, Lie, Lie was released. Lie, Lie, Lie was the one that people thought was a response to driver's license, even though it was written months before driver's license was even released. He's slightly vague on the cause of all of this, although he says, I'm sure stress had a part in it, but it turned out to be septic shock and heart failure, which that seems very heavy to be having at, you know, 20, 19 years old. And the doctors told him he only had a 30% chance of survival. And that if he hadn't checked into the hospital within 24, 12 hours, I would have been found dead in my apartment. And so while social media was gossiping about all this, he just didn't have the energy to be able to focus on anything but staying alive, he says. So I was just like, shit, like, can stress cause you to go with septic shock and heart failure? I mean, that's wild and really fucking scary. I also learned from this article that he is best friends with the boy who plays EJ on High School Musical, which kind of shocking didn't really expect that that's who he would be best friends with he also takes a cold shower every single morning which sounds awful and i will never do that and i don't care how good they say it is for your skin and your hair and your circulatory system i will not be partaking when he's asked who he looks up to in his career he mentions harry styles and sabrina carpenter which i was like sabrina carpenter what like so is, is this you trying to say that really your relationship with her is purely mentorship? Like, I feel like he's he's saying stuff between the lines here that we're supposed to be kind of extracting out. Um, and he says that he contacted her over Instagram on his label's advice about recording a song. So his label is just like, okay, uh, Josh, why don't you reach out to Sabrina? I mean, hello, why couldn't the label just reach out to Sabrina for him? And he was like, that's terrifying. I'm not going to DM her. I've never DM'd anybody. I don't DM people. Really, dude? You've never DM'd anybody? Okay. Um, and, and then it says, two affogados later, Bassett stands up to get on with his day. I applaud a man who has oat milk lattes and then two affogados. Like, I wonder what caffeine drip he is on at the Elk. Is he getting decaf sometimes? I mean, I also love that he has two affogados because that is espresso with ice cream. I was like, why would you? I mean, hey, I like an oat milk latte. Oh, I do too, but I love an oat milk latte. But it is funny that you get oat milk and then ice cream. Maybe they have dairy-free ice cream there, Kinsey. I wouldn't put it. I mean, that's like a very New York thing to do. Wouldn't put it past them. Um, I also just love it because sometimes I really want to get two ice creams in a row. And I feel like I shouldn't. But he just went for it. So we love that. All right. First cut article of the day. And it's a doozy. Uh Caroline Calloway will paint you at her party is the Russian Samovar, the new China Chalet by Brock Collier. Now update, I noted on her Instagram today that the Russian Samovar will never be the new China Chalet and the China Chalet. I've never been there, but from what I've read, uh, it was a place that young kids, I think a lot of times underage would go and they would smoke inside and like get really fucked up during the day. It's like a Chinese restaurant. And then it just turned into this like shit show at night. But she says it will never be the new China Chalet. And it's in a disgusting area by being in Midtown, which is kind of rude. I mean, I get that, you know, you like Times Square isn't really the place to be. But OK, Caroline, a little snobby. Um, 
to recap the are you coming newsletter by brock collier we've mentioned on here before it's the concept is that he goes out for a night with someone who's kind of very just like online or in the culture he did one with bowen yang his first one was with an OnlyFans star he did one with um victoria paris who's a really popular tiktoker uh and now he has uh Paired up with Caroline Calloway, a definite feature on Kind of Cute Podcast. I always say this, but if you want to be acclimated with her, maybe go back and listen to episode nine. But for now, you just need to know that she is a very online person. She has been accused of being a scammer. She makes money in mysterious ways. A lot of it's by painting kind of... uh, uh, I don't want to be mean because I would love to own an original Caroline Calloway. They're not the most like advanced painting. So, I mean, to be fair, we, you know, you could probably do a painting on the level of Caroline Calloway. For a, more expressionistic, maybe. Expressionistic, Kenzie says. People, um, for a while, were buying her Matisse ripoffs where she would make little Matisses out of cutout paper. And Elena also tried to do one of these herself and it came out stunningly. So this goes to show that if you want a little crafter nude, you can probably make your own Caroline Calloway original if you would like. So <laughs> this is on a Thursday night and it was at a party she co-hosted along with the Drunken Canal and other members of the new downtown Pandemic Arati at the Russian Samovar on West 52nd Street. It was thrown by the Ion Pack, a duo of anonymous film boys with a meme page and a podcast about movies. And in the words of a Criterion Collection employee I met that night, Lower East Side Culture. Can someone explain to me how all of these little like weirdos just really pop off with their super niche meme pages and stupid podcasts and my stupid podcast can't pop off? Do I need to live in the fucking Lower East Side and be part of this little pandemic erati to like be someone i just refuse that will not be happening for me i I mean secretly i wish it could but it just won't and i just i just don't really get it like how this like very small area of the earth like thinks they're so important like honey just because you live in the lower east side it's not a personality trait it is a well, they've made it one. They've made it one. But I just, I don't get it. As I, Obviously, this is coming mainly from a place of jealousy, I guess. But it, it's just so strange that they've just made this into such a thing. And this goes back to, like, my idea of how are all these, like, online people in New York, they all know each other, even when they are involved in very different aspects of the social media world. Because Okay, you probably can't hear Kenzie because she's 10 miles away from the mic, but she says being a New Yorker is their uh, defining personality trait, which, again, is true. I, again, it's... Maybe someone in their 20s and 30s that's on the internet that's in New York that doesn't make it fo- so fucking blatant that they are a New Yorker. You're right, but I mean, I would do the same thing. Like, I do a whole podcast about New York mag. Like, uh, pot calling kettle, hello. Anyways, let's get into their night together. He says, the idea of hanging out with her intrigued me, but it also, I admit, made me a little nervous. When I texted her to see if she wanted to take me to the Samovar party, she responded within seconds, let's fucking do it. But after FaceTiming me a couple of times in a sheer top with her boobs out, she changed her mind. A half hour later, she decided it was a good idea after all. Throughout the night, she steadily promised me followers, and like so much of what she did, I found it surprisingly charming. The morning after, I looked at my Instagram to see her posting photos of me praising your resident party reporter for negotiating a momentous and historic peace treaty with her after the beach piece. Famously, Natalie Beach 
wrote kind of a takedown piece of her that was published in The Cut. So Calloway has a very contentious relationship with The Cut, which I like to think is the reason she's never come on this podcast, but um, that's probably giving myself a little too much credit. So it says that lately, Caroline, 29, is actually feeling pretty good about her relationship to notoriety. Notoriety. Sometimes I think I got struck by fame lightning. Lots of people who want fame don't have. Best friends who sell them out to the cut. Now that I'm currently well-liked, I'm never going back. This is so much better. I could never do anything else. I never had a CV. I've been professionally Caroline Calloway. I mean, she has made her whole personality just her job, which snaps. So the night starts at 9.42 p.m. And I have to say, after reading quite a few of Brock's articles my favorite parts are actually when he chats with the ancillary characters at these parties. For example, while I wait for Caroline, I chat with others in line, mostly straight boys wearing black and smoking cigs, including a Wall Street software developer who lives in Murray Hill and hates his job. I'm just making the rich man richer, he says, before telling me that he'd like to give it all up to take on squid fishing. Dude, I can relate. I mean, not squid fishing, but professional podcaster, hello, is the dream. Also, like, I I don't know if I was expecting, like, straight boys to be at this party. I get that it was hosted by these whatever meme lords, but isn't this also a Caroline Calloway party, or am I misunderstanding that? Like, she co-hosted it, right? So I thought this would be way more, like, fangirls like myself in attendance. So at 9.50, Caroline arrives. She's wearing space buns, a sheer beige dress, and earrings made of little lettered beads that spell out anxiety, as she says, because she's sick in the head. She's holding her portrait canvases over her chest to hide her semi-exposed boobs. Only for the party, she says, meaning she'll let the nips out when we get inside. 10.14 p.m. Caroline orders a tequila soda and for her an Aperol Spritz, her favorite drink right now. I love this because I a tequila soda with a splash of grapefruit is my go-to. I mean, obviously, it's not my favorite drinks are margarita, espresso martinis, um, dirty martinis. I, I actually do also love an Aperol spritz. I was drinking a lot of those in Europe because they're very into like the aperitif. So you start out with an Aperol spritz, then you move on to wine, you know, then you end with a little cortado. It really is ideal. Like I, I loved it. Um, so I, I like both of these orders. <laughs> And then she actually ordered two of each, planning to hide one of the drinks for later in case the bar gets backed up. I also love this. This is genius. This is something I would do. You know, and I like that she doesn't think that just because she's Caroline Calloway, it's going to be so easy for her to get a drink later on in the night. That That's kind of more of the behavior I expected of her. He says that he chats with another of her friends, a blonde bonchel who tells me her scent is a mix of Le Labo, Santal 33, and a Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton, Oh my God, why can't I say Vuitton? Louis Vuitton perfume. She's a Tisch student writing a book about an ex that wasn't so nice, and Caroline has been helping with her, her with it. She's the best scammer I ever met, she says to Caroline in all seriousness. Okay, guys, this is definitely the 17-year-old who was dating the 26-year-old lawyer who works at... Oh, I, I said I wasn't going to say, but again, you could, you could do a Google, that Caroline was also hooking up with, and I feel very creepy knowing all of that, but like this has to be her. I'm, I'm convinced because she's also a, she's a student at Tisch. And there's a picture of the crowd trying to get into this party in the article. And holy shit, it was a lot. It looks like the line trying to get into a Supreme store, if you can imagine. And at 11 p.m., it says the tiny space continues to fill with hordes of very white, very young, very online people as the line down the block has grown into a pulsating mob. I mean, if this picture shows nothing else, it really does show this. Um and again, this is like very, like why, 
I can't put my finger on it, but this very white, very young, very online people just really does kind of sum up that New York group I'm talking about. 11.45 p.m., he says he can't find Caroline, and he's about to give up when his roommate tells him that she saw Caroline sitting on the sidewalk in front of an Irish pub down the street painting portraits who fan- for fans who bought brought flowers and honestly that is a great deal I would buy a very nice arrangement instead of paying 250 dollars if I could get a portrait done by Caroline that is really what I want to manifest for if not the end of 2021 at least 2022 I want to interview Caroline and I want her to paint me and I will send her the most beautiful bouquet as a thank you and I think that's a fair exchange like she would have fun on here I just I like know it would be a time Okay, at 12.45 a.m., she returns from her painting sesh and asks Brock, should we go do some drugs? And on the balcony, they take a bite. I'm sorry, she says, should we go get some drugs? So it's unclear how they procure this, but they procure... Oh, they get it from a handsome man friend of hers, and it's an acid gummy. She takes pictures with the people surrounding her, covering her nipples whenever it's a flash photo, saying people should have to pay to see that. That should be on my OnlyFans. But honey, like you did wear the top out. So like people are seeing it for free. Just just pointing that out. I mean, get your coin, take your nipples out, free the nipple. Sure. But just just pointing out that people were seeing the titties for free. And apparently someone comes up to her and says, I totally believe you're so nice and so amazing. The only reason I survived the cut is because I'm a nice bomb ass person. Caroline replies. And then she offers a calla lily because her cat Matisse is allergic to them and says, this might be my favorite line of the article. If there's a calla will, there's a calla way. <laughs> oh man, I just live for it. So at 1.11 a.m., Caroline has been talking about Kat Mardell all night. She claims they're close friends, even though they've never met in person, which I didn't realize. I thought they had met in person. And she says it's going to be a true true New York City event um, if they meet up. And Kat is there, but never meets up with Caroline. So that was kind of a letdown. Like, I really do wish that had happened. At 1.53 a.m., she stashes her bouquets in the corner of the party, and they've hidden more drinks there. And at this point in time, she realizes she's left her paints at the Irish pub. But when they go to get them, it's closed and also raining. So how did she just forget her whole ass paints at the pub? That just seems wildly irresponsible. And again, people casually taking acid. Obviously, I'm jealous because I would love a a little psychedelic experiment. But I just I just can't get into the casual drug use. I just need it to be like a little bit controlled because knowing me, I would take an acid gummy and I would be seeing like flying elephants for the rest of eternity and I would never recover. So 2.25 a.m. <laughs> Kenzie just shuddered. Someone says, this is what I'm saying, the people who talk to him on the side, they just have the best one-liners. They say, plenty of people with nothing to do, lots of money, and their brains atrophied. That's how they describe the party, (laughs) which just sounds so empty and sad, honestly. And Caroline notes that she feels nothing from her acid gummy. 2.59 a.m. Caroline mentions it's time for an Irish exit before doing the exact opposite and going asking several people whether she can do anything for them before she goes. And Brock leaves with a boy he met from the party. So, like, get it. And 
they say no one in her circle is willing to break her bubble. She's just talked about, which I don't really get what that means. Are they saying like everyone kind of wants to be in her atmosphere because she's so talked about or like no one wants to burst her bubble? I, I don't really know. Um. So yeah, that's how it ends. And I just, I have so many questions for Brock, which is why I really want to have him on. And, but again, like he didn't answer me when I reached out. Um, but h- how does he keep up his journalistic integrity while taking acid gummies and presumably being pretty drunk. If I had to piece together a night like this, it would be gobbledygook. Like I I can barely piece together my 10 day Spanish vacation because I was drunk half the time. How does he? I was drinking most of the time. Okay. My point is, okay. My point is I still couldn't do it. And I was not that drunk. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't be on acid and, like, write a... Co- I know he wasn't writing the article on acid, but how does he remember? Like, does he film the whole thing? Does he record the whole thing? How does he so vividly get all these little lines? Is it made up? Like, I don't think he would admit that, but I just need to know logistically how he gets it done. I also have to note that this originally was supposed to be with someone who goes by the name of Goots, and she is one of the co-founders of Drunken Canal, which I feel like is really perpetuating this Lower East Side microcosm that made themselves so important. I think it's partially responsible for that because it's just this niche culture that people really latch onto and I think kind of see themselves in if they're part of that very niche culture itself and just make it bigger than it is. There's one comment on this article when I read it, and it says, somebody didn't get spanked enough as a child i did get spanked as a child and we will just leave it at that and move on to our next adjacent article to know gossip girl is to love her by tyler mccall because caroline pointed out that there was supposed to be cast members from euphoria and gossip girl at this party i don't know if that ever came to fruition that comment was never followed up on but she did note that so it says i just want to read like a short little blurb from this It says, well, viewers of the latest installment of Gossip Girl, please don't call it a reboot, won't fancy any such torment, referring to not knowing who Gossip Girl is. As the show tells you exactly who is behind the latest iteration of the muckraking blog within the first half hour of the pilot episode. It's 2021, so in lieu of a website, Gossip Girl pops up via an Instagram run by, if you don't want a spoiler, fast forward 15 minutes, but it's in the first, or not 15 minutes, like 15 seconds, but this is in the first um, episode, so it's not that much of a spoiler. The beleaguered teachers at Constance Billard and St. Jude's with none other than Tavi Gevinson's character, Kate Keller, serving as DM master. I'll hold while you sign up for your AARP membership, knowing that former fashion and editorial wonderkind Gevinson is old enough to play a teacher on TV. Now, I knew that Tavi was in this. I thought Tavi was playing one of the students. Like, she looks so young. She looks, I mean, I think she is the same age as them. So, The fact that she's playing a teacher who's running the Gossip Girl is a little weird to me. And maybe she's playing like a straight out of college teacher. But if if they're trying to pose her as like a 30 year old plus teacher, like she's just she's not. And it's not believable. And she looks the same age as everyone else. I haven't watched the first episode yet. I really wanted to watch it last night. But Kenzie really wanted to catch up on High School Musical, the musical, the series. So I let her have that. Um (laughs) moving on of course Cara Delevingne lives in an adult playhouse by Claire Lampin 
you guys know I love an AD house tour. You guys know I love when I have something in common with a celeb. So the one thing that I had in common with um, Cara Delevingne's house is that she has doggy stairs leading up to her bed. And Gergi and Ghosty both have doggy stairs leading up to our respective beds. So I'm sure hers is like custom and, and gorgeous and mine is from TJ Maxx. But it, it gave me something, you know. And I... You know, when you're young and you watched Richie Rich, which, wow, love that movie. Um, and you would think about the house you'd have, like your dream house. And I think Kara just really tapped into that childlike being. And she just goes for it with this house. It's it's like a, a kid dream, but then kind of sexualized to keep in line with her current age. She's 28. Uh, I also learned in this video that Kara has a Prosecco company with her sisters called Delavite. And it took me a good five minutes and another appearance of the Delavite to realize that this is a play on their last name, Delavine. Get it? Um, she describes the vibe as adult playhouse and Mad Hatter with undertones of Hugh Hefner and a touch of the English countryside, which I actually think is a very accurate description. And Claire writes, I will describe it as a marked departure from the home she shared with her circ- sister circa 2019 and had previously showed AD. Um, I, I also really enjoyed that house tour. And I love that she lived with her sister because clearly Kinsey and I live together. One day we will hit it big, Kinsey, and we will be on Architectural Digest. Like I'm going to start out small with the manifestations of Caroline Calloway hanging my portrait but one day that will be hanging instead of a James Terrell. It'll be a fucking Caroline Calloway at the front door when AD comes in and I will have some stories to tell. So the cut points out some of the highlights of the video. So one of them is punishingly hard floors. She says when you step on them too much, they hurt your feet. So she got herself a little mini pink razor scooter so she can scoot from her bedroom to the kitchen, which I mean, again, snaps to that. Love it. Very kid like very richy rich. Then she has a custom vagina tunnel. She has a lot of hidden, yes, you have to watch it, Kenzie. She has a lot of hidden doors and little hidden features. So this one is behind a mirrored panel that's very gorgeous. And you open it up and it's this full on, it looks like if the Muppets did vagina. It's very Muppety. It has a piercing on it, which makes you think that Kara has a piercing on her vagine. And it's hard to describe, like you really do have to see it, but she climbs into it and she says she likes to use it as like a little nook. And then she goes out the other side, which on the other side is a fake washing machine. So she also has a vagina shaped bouquet in her room. So she's really going for it. And then she has a hat wall as a physical metaphor. It says a lot of what this house was based on in my job and everything I do, I wear a lot of different hats. So I thought anyone who comes upstairs, you have to get a different hat. And some of these hats are very cool, but it's, it's not really aesthetically pleasing. It's kind of messy and I don't love the way it looks, but I like the sentiment, you know, to have a little fun. She also has a personal ball pit, like at a Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) She, um, has a pussy palace room with a mirrored ceiling, stripper poles, a swing, touchy fabrics everywhere, which honestly, for what I'm assuming is a room for orgies, I don't know if I would want to have fabric covering every inch of it. Seems a little difficult to clean. think you maybe would have wanted to go with little things that are more easy to wipe off, but 
I mean, I guess she's not cleaning it anyways, so who cares? Uh, she has trampolines built into her lawn, which also, like, that was all I wanted as a little kid. The day I got a trampoline was the best day of my life. I could never do any tricks on it. But just the fact that it was there, I felt like I had the house, like, everyone would want to go to because I had a trampoline. And don't worry, guys, it had the little gate around it so you couldn't fall off. You could probably still break your neck, but I loved it. So I just, I love that she really leaned into it. What can I say? it's been a while since we've done a deep cut on here a deep cut is when we go into the archives of new york mag and you guys know i love doing the approval matrixes so i found one from june 10th 2016 which is almost exactly or yes exactly five years ago it is june 10th today uh, oh fuck you're right you're right this is from june 10th though um the approval matrix is where they do lowbrow despicable, lowbrow brilliant, lowbrow or highbrow despicable, highbrow brilliant. And it's like a matrix and it shows how these little things are all plotted out. And what really caught my eye is there was something in lowbrow despicable called that said this. There's a new all nude restaurant in London called Bunyadi. So, of course, I had to d- dig into this. I was like, is this still exist? So it was actually just a pop up. Um and I read a whole CNN article about what it was like to go to this naked restaurant. And I mean, it was really, I, I, I'm surprised something like this hasn't existed again. I could really see something like this being the um, answer to like COVID pent upness. So th- the guy writing the CNN article was there for a press launch. So he was there with other journalists and you don't have to be naked. So the, a lot of it is him like, being like, do I get naked? Like, I don't know. He's there with another male, you know, uh, journalist and they're all wearing robes and you get to take your robe and your little slippers with you as part of the deal. It's like a hundred dollar prefix menu. Apparently the food was really good. Um, and they were trying to break down just kind of the, the awkwardness around being nude and just like break down the barriers, you know, all that touchy feely stuff. And the, he says, this is a totally new experience for me. I'm not someone who would ever contemplate stripping off in public. I am, after all, English. I suddenly feel like I've been granted entry into a secret, exhilarating new world. Then my dining companion announces he has to leave early. Depressingly, I'm now just a naked dude eating dessert by candlelight on my own. Time to get dressed. <laughs> oh, and I just love so many things on this matrix. Um, let's see. There's some more. I think I loved all the ones that were in lowbrow despicable which is where the nude restaurant was which i think is lowbrow brilliant i don't know why they put it in despicable it says who you gonna call in his new memoir bobby brown says he once had sex with a ghost totally forgot about that happening cambridge university statistician blames binge watching for declining sex rates in the uk and then in in lowbrow brilliant they put which might be a fair trade-off um Oh, what else? Oh, Black China and Rob Kardashian have an e-reality show. Maybe they should rename the channel K! Exclamation mark. Which I felt that was crazy that now, obviously, the Kardashians are done with their relationship with E. It's so wild to think there was a time before the Black China and Rob Kardashian reality show. Now Dream's like five years old. Um attention day drunk connoisseurs according to grub street the fort green restaurant colonia verde's bloody mary is the best in new york can anyone vouch for that is colonia verde still open is their bloody mary the best oh gosh guys i just realized how long i'm get going on this 
one week off and I just can talk forever, apparently. So let's get into our legit shit, shall we? Obviously, I talked on my last episode about my weird experience going to the medical marijuana doctor. Um, So I thought it was fitting this week to share with you a company of uh, herbal accoutrement that I really like. I discovered them at one of my favorite stores in Bushwick in New York. It's called Friends NYC. And they were doing an event when I was there one night um, and they were giving away free stuff. And I just like really love their brand and their stuff is gorgeous. So they have these really cool like gold grinders. They have these little joint holders. All of their accessories are so cute. So if you are allowed recreational uh, marijuana in your state or if you have your uh, prescription, check out Sackville. I'm going to link it in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and I will see you next week. And as usual, if you did enjoy it, please, please share Kind of Cute with a friend. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast. And you know what brings joy to me like nothing else is a written review on Apple Podcasts. I haven't gotten one in so long. So leave a rating, leave a written review, and I will be eternally grateful. Bye.